Welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here with Pastor David Endorf, and we are still missing our third host here, uh, Pastor Dave Rudot. He has decided that um, he was going to take the funds that Good or that Fellowship Coffee had been giving to the show and use them for his. Uh, uh, own purposes on recovery. And so um, we will not have the sponsor uh, of Fellowship Coffee. And instead, we are still looking at uh, our current sponsors of Good Water and Good Coffee. And you can find them wherever Good Water and Good Coffee are sold. And then, of course, you have uh, our longtime sponsor, Good Tea. And Good Tea has been uh, a very good supporter here of us as of late. Welcome, Pastor Endorf. Hi. Good How are to be you? here. Good. We I have, am fantastic. We have a wonderful show today, and I think uh, I'm I'm getting some feedback in mine, so hopefully you don't hear it so much on yours. But Not feedback, but you seem to be cutting out. So uh, That's what I was hearing. Okay. All right. Well, we do have a, a wonderful show today, um, and our show today is going to be on uh, what is the difference anyway, and our new topic for today is going to be free will. Uh, so before we jump on into that topic, would you like to give the disclaimer? So the disclaimer today is that you probably aren't going to be offended, because if you're listening to this, you're probably going to be on the same page as we are, but... Still, this is the beginning of the conversation, not the end. And what we say does not necessarily speak for our congregations or the the Wisconsin Synod that we are a part of. And it, feel free to reach out to either Pastor Harley or myself. He's at uh, St. John's in Maryville, and I'm at Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. All right. Well, welcome to the show. And before we have an opportunity to, to get too far, let's have our transition and then get on to our conversation. All right, today we get to talk about free will, and I think we probably want to start by by um, limiting this conversation to to maybe maybe some parameters here, because I think when you get into the conversation of free will, um, you you really can branch out into multiple different facets, and and you can kind of get lost in the weeds as to what we're talking about when when someone talks about free will. Um, so so maybe. Um, having some parameters as to what we're going to be discussing when we say free will. Uh, so what do you think? I, I think that is a fantastic choice because this is something that has been debated, uh, not just inside of religion, but outside of religion and throughout a bunch of different branches of philosophy. And we want to stick specifically to religion, first of all, and then inside of that conversation to the relationship that we have with God. And when we're talking about free will here today, we're talking about 
the ability that the will has to to make a decision for God. You know, does the do you have the the freedom to change your relationship to God based on your will alone, based on your own choice, your own um, uh, freedom, your own thoughts. And that's the um, top topic for today. All right. Yeah, so so we're going to try, and, and I'm going to have to do extra trying on this, unfortunately, um, to try to keep the conversation from the wider scope of, of free will, um, mostly because um, I think when you talk about free will, you, you start branching it out into the physical material things and the, and the choices that we make within the, the world today and the, and, and the day-to-day stuff. And, and so having it, like you said, that focus of we really want to talk about a relationship, so our spiritual relationship with our Lord. We want to talk about how, can we approach Him, um, and and can we make these decisions, um, and and how does that look? Kind of will narrow that scope because otherwise, I mean, you end up with conversations about you know, do you have the free will to wear red um, today or green or blue, um, and we would all say, yeah, you can wear whatever you want, right? Um, but then you can get into the conversation and say, well, you know, do I have the free will to buy a truck that has five doors instead of four doors? Well, they don't make a truck with five doors, so I'm not free to buy one <laughs> that has five doors. Um, or, or if I want to walk into Subway and get a steak and potatoes, but they only sell subs. So am I free to order steak and potatoes at Subway when they don't sell that? And, and those are wonderful conversations, by the way, and I would love to have those conversations with you because I don't believe there's free will really in anything. Um, but that's not where we're going today. No. And and so when when we talk about you know that free will, you know we should you know further you know classify things and say that that there's kind of a scale here. You know, inside of the church, when we're talking about a free will, you have, you know, one extreme end that would talk about a, a completely free will, you know, a libertarian free will, where, you know, you, you are in in and of yourself, with your own abilities, entirely able to choose God and, and come to God on your own ability. That is not something you generally find in in the church uh what you generally find in the church would be uh you know something called prevenient grace where god will come to you with uh, a little bit of grace called prevenient grace and and it it helps you to make that choice it kind of nudges you in the right direction because you're you're not a complete sinner you're not a total sinner but you're a, a, you're not nice. You're not good, and so you need a nudge. You need a little help, and then it it pushes you in the right direction to make the choice for God. Or you are what we would call synergism, where God works with you. You know, so God reaches out His hand, and He walks you along 
the choice. So you could think of, you know, the, the teacher helping a student with a, a problem at school. You know, they, they walk you step by step through each one, you and the teacher working together to get the right answer to the problem. Yeah, wouldn't you? I think in the in the church we have common heresies though that that really bridge both of these sides, right? Um, so you would say that what you would kind of mention as the libertarian view um, wasn't that the heresy of Plagius, um, like a full on Plagianism? Uh, was that idea that you you have the ability to accept or reject the Savior? Um, you have the, when it comes to God, it is all on you to, to produce that relationship. And, and then, and then kind of the pullback from that is that semi-Pelagianism, right? The semi-Pelagianism, which is that, that provenial grace, um, that, that is what you said, you know, that this grace, God helps a little bit for you to make and be led to those choices to accept him and to, to, to go and fall into faith. Um, and so they, they end up with that kind of, uh, uh, an idea within those two to area uh, areas of heresies, um, but we see them today still, which which I think is a an interesting way for us to approach the conversation, because I think you do have both of them present in the church, or at least the desire to have them present. I mean, Pelagius would have taken it a step further in that you have to have have work righteousness to it. You know, and, and that, you know, free will or decision theology, if we're going to limit it to that, is just about that initial coming to faith part. But, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, and, and I think it's a, and if any of our listeners are wondering, you know, why are we talking about free will? I think it's, it is one of the main topics that the Book of Concord talks about. I mean, the solid declaration um, has just a, a, a very substantial portion on this idea of free will. The Augsburg Confession also has a substantial portion on the idea of, of free will, um, not as long as the Solid Declaration. Solid Declaration, I think, goes in much more in depth, even talking about synergism um, and, and discrediting why synergism is, is a heresy and, and why it brings us away from God as opposed to bringing us closer to God. Um, so I think this is a, a problem that the early church fathers dealt with, and had to deal with, and it's a problem that we're continuing to deal with, um, especially as we live in a world where where freedom is a thing in our. It's kind of built into into our our uh, national background, right? This idea of freedom and and the extension of freedom in all things, and not just freedom in one area. And this is why Luther, in, in writing against Erasmus, in uh, you know the the bondage of the will thanks Erasmus for getting to the heart of the matter. You know, that, that the, the key difference between the Lutheran church and the Catholic church is, are, are we free to choose God? You know, uh, because it incorporates all of, all of these different questions. You know, how sinful are people? What is your view of God? How do we come to faith? Um, and then, then it even gets into the nature of the sacraments. And, and so, you know, when you're talking about what is the key difference, um, free will is going to, uh, you know, be one of those 
questions that very clearly divides the Lutheran Church from um, most of the other churches that are right. that are out there. Well, and I uh, is it is it appropriate to maybe start to, to have in this conversation the conversation of of maybe some terms or at least some concepts. You know, I think that that a lot of people that, and I've talked with other people when we talked about free will and we're talking about and it's usually in the conversation of decision theology um, where where they're like, well, I can decide for Christ. And and, you know, you sit down and you have a conversation and then it usually flows something along the lines of, well, if I can reject. Then I should be able to do the opposite. Which is accepting. And, and I try to explain, and I, I guess this is my approach, and maybe you can push back on it or you can, can talk more about it if you like it. My approach is, I said, you know, the opposite of rejecting isn't accepting. That, that, that is not a corollary. The opposite of rejection is receiving. You know, when we, you know, when someone says, um, do you accept this? They don't, they don't say, I reject it. No, they say, I decline. When someone says, would you like to, you've received this, they say, no, I rejected it. And so the, so the opposite of rejection is receiving, which is a passive action. It, it is something that is done to you instead of something that you have done. So you have received and then you can reject. And so I think there's just that idea that, that behind, we want to say the opposite of rejection is accepting, and we want to say, well, then if I can reject, which I have in my sinful nature, that horrible, horrible power to, to reject what the Lord has given, we want to say, well, I should have the opposite uh, to accept it. But, you, but, but that's not the opposite. The opposite is receiving. And so God has given, and you can say, I don't want it, but God still has given. No, and, and I would absolutely... Um, agree with that. I think the the illustration I, I like to use is, um, you know, the third Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, a, a lot of people like to think of, you know, decision theology treats salvation as that scene where you're going to say leap of God faith. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> where you where you've got all of those chalices out, you know, and 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 God is like, pick the right one, you yeah. know, and, and God is is that knight there saying, you know, pick the right one and drink it, and it will save you, you know. But that's not faith, you know. Faith is not an act of the will where we gather in all of this information and then we pick the right one for our salvation. You know, faith is the Holy Spirit coming to us and saying, I saved you. You know, yep. this I this is something done for you, where God works trust in our hearts. And, and there's such a big difference between trust and an act of the will where we decide something. Yeah. And, and that's what people are, are missing. Well, you know, and, and, and so it starts then with 
you know, what is your view of human nature? If you believe that people are are sinful from birth, if you believe that people are God's enemies, you know, then then you might picture salvation as God presenting all kinds of choices and saying, hey, pick the right one, you know. But that's not going to work if you believe that people are God's enemies. They they cannot submit to God's God's law. Well, isn't that isn't isn't kind of you know you you had referenced it before that that conversation of um, of Luther with Erasmus in the bondage of the will and beautiful book um, and and just as a side note if you decide you want to read the bondage of the will um, don't read it from the front to the back read it from the back to the front. Because the way the argumentation goes, you'll probably understand it better if you start at the end and then work your way to the front. Um, but regardless of that, um, you know, you had this, I, I think you had that 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 brought out in that discussion, right? Um, Erasmus had a very high anthropology. That's a high view of mankind. He had, he had this idea that um, mankind... Uh, humankind is capable of doing more than 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 what we ever thought, right? He was able to; they were able to unlock the 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 very resources of their minds and engage in in higher level thinking and higher level uh, abilities. And then you had Luther, who who really approached it, which we would we would say from a very scriptural standpoint, that said, no, um, there's a very low anthropology um, because of the fall into sin. Um, mankind is bound to always make bad choices, bound to always make the ones that are self-serving and, and not self-sacrificing, um, that mankind is, is always going to do the worst possible thing um, in any given choice than the best possible thing, even though it might seem like it is a good thing in society. Um, they've made it for for altruistic purposes or for their own purposes, not for the, the purposes of, of the rest of mankind. And so he had a low anthropology. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that I'm fairly confident it's that, that Luther points out is that, you know, anthropology as we're using the term here is that, that doctrinal study of man. Right. You know, and so, Luther's low anthropology is that way because, you know, it reflects the the scriptural collection of Bible passages that describe people. You know, that they the sinful mind is God's enemy. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Romans 8, 7. Well, even go to but Genesis the, 6, right? The heart of mankind is evil all the time. <laughs> yes. You know, um, or, or Adam and Eve... Adam had children born in his image, not in God's image. Yep. yep. You know, the the flip side of that is that if you have a low anthropology, and, and this is part of Luther's argument as well, you then have a high Christology, a high a high view of what Christ did. Sure. You know, going back to the going back to Indiana Jones, you know. God's just kind of standing there passive, make the right choice, do something, you know, because the the work is on us. The the some of the glory, some of the credit goes to us. And that's part of where you end up with 
problems is that we're then taking the glory and the credit that belongs to God and making it ours, you know, and, well, and that is, of course, a sin against the first commandment. Just it, throw it, that it, out there. And I agree with you 100% that it is a sin against the first commandment. I, I, I guess I have a question, and, and I guess I just was thinking it through, but I mean, a person who has a high anthropology and a person who believes that that they have the free will to choose for Christ, they have the free will to choose God and to throw themselves all into the God pot and and uh, um, say, okay, I'm going to be this and I'm going to accept these gifts of the Lord. If they have the free will to do that, why would they? Because wouldn't it wouldn't it bring to reason that if I have the if I have the ability to do this, then what do I need God for anyway? And see, that's the, that touches on the, the other objection to, uh, um, or at least another objection to decision theology, is it, it makes your first act of, of being a Christian, not one of love, but one that is purely se- selfish. Okay. You know, the, that here you're asking God into your heart, not because you love him, not because you care about him and you want him in your heart, but because you want to be saved. It is purely about yourself, you know, and and I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell, you know, and, and and that, but wouldn't it seem, but wouldn't it seem free will would almost dictate, I don't need God because if I, if God leaves it up to me to make a decision for him, then why can't I make a decision for something else just as equally as good? Well, it, it, except, again, that, that's where you're presented with, you know, the, the threat of hell. Sure. If, you don't des- if you don't choose for God, you're going to hell. And so you have to choose for God so that you go to heaven. Which and brings so it back choice, to me. Yeah, it, and, and it is very much me-centered. Whereas, you know, our salvation from first to last being in God's hands, every, the, the decisions we make from faith, guided by God's word, are prompted by by love. So God's you're saying, take care of me. So you're saying it is it is a better way to it, it is a better person or a, not a better person, but a better thing for a person to say not that I have accepted uh, Christ into my heart, but I haven't kicked him out. But I haven't kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would say that that is not a better thing because it's not true, you know. And God hasn't let me kick him out. You know, my my preservation in the faith is purely the work of Christ as well. You know, that that if it were up to me, you know, I I would have fallen away. Sure. You know, and so God is, you know, Christ is the, the author and the perfecter of my faith. He is the one who brings it to completion. You know, and so I, I take no credit in my salvation from beginning to end. I, I do not stay in my faith because I am better than somebody else. Um, the, the only thing I can say is that Christ Jesus chose me because I am the worst of sinners and, and that by being the worst of sinners, people can look at me and say, if God can save that schmuck, he can save me too. Um, 
But I think that's one of those. It's the beauty, right? When we talk about free will, and we and 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 we're talking about it in the in the context of theology. It has it has its ramifications in doctrine, in practice. So not just in our our, our speaking and how do we speak. So so we would say in Lutheranism, um, and and I believe this to be very scriptural. We would say, as you have been saying, it is Christ's, it is God's action on us from first to last. It is Him who who has us, uh, brought me to faith. He is the one who continues me in faith. He is the one that that preserves me in this faith, and he is the one that will will bring it to its con- final conclusion and take me to be home with him. It also has implications in how that is done. Where where you have in the Lutheran Church, you have these things that we call the sacraments. You have these things that are the means of grace, so the means by which God gives you his grace that works faith in your heart and, and brings you into this um, relationship. Where, where when you have these other denominations, these other um, Christian um, belief systems that believe in your, you have to make a decision, you have to engage, you have to participate, you, th- th- those means of grace go away. You know, the tools that God uses and has given us within the scripture uh, to work faith and, and to bring this about now are gone. Um, and so you notice that in these in 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 these different Christian persuasions, right? Where oh, absolutely. And, and if anybody ever ever wants to see an example of that, uh, Ray Stevens. Are you familiar with Ray Stevens? I heard the name. I can't say I listened the, to him. The, the great theological songwriter and poet has a has a, a song about the Mississippi squirrel revival where he talks about the... Is this a dad joke? <laughs> no, it is not a dad joke. So this is where somebody may be offended if you listen to the, the song about the Mississippi squirrel revival and if you know anything about Ray Stevens. But it, it talks about what happens when a squirrel gets loose at a Southern Baptist church. And, and they think it's... Uh, the spirit working and and one of the lines in the song is and we all got rebaptized whether we needed it or not because the idea is um everybody started confessing their sins and they realized oh hey we're sinners so we must have screwed up our baptisms and we got to rebaptize ourselves but they're missing the fact that, and that is a very, very common thing for people who who teach, you know, a, a, some kind of version of a free will. You know, if baptism is your commitment to the church, sure. and if you in some way fall away from that commitment, you get rebaptized to demonstrate that commitment again. Um, and and so they all got rebaptized. But that's not what baptism is for. You know, right. baptism is the foundation that God gives to us. And so, you know, our faith and, and our works, they go up and down, but that baptism is a foundation that never changes. And, and so we don't get rebaptized because God's promise never changed. God never left you, God never for, forsook you. And, and so we don't rebaptize just because we messed up. God's waters of baptism were still there for you to wash you clean and and to forgive you. And and so that is 
absolutely a huge difference in the sacraments for believers. Um, and, and it is it is there in the same way for communion. You know, that, that we go to communion because here we receive the body and the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Right. You know, it's not an expression of our commitment. It's this is something God does for us. Right. It's an expression of God's faithfulness as he reaches into yeah. our lives. And, and I think there's, you know, this is where I think it becomes difficult for for us as as sinners to reason through and it even becomes different, difficult for us as believers because because there is a shift that does take place. So, I, I think you know beautifully, uh, Luther he de- he describes what we are before before the Spirit acts on us, be- before the gospel comes in contact with us through His means. So either through the Word, through the sacrament of baptism, before that event, uh, Luther so beautifully describes us as bound. We we are bound. We are bound as sinners. There is no good choice we can make. There's no good action we can do. There's no good there's no good progression towards our Lord that we can make. Now, um, we're again, we're keeping this to the theological idea of 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 the discussion of free will. And and Luther would say, There's nothing you can bring to the table. There's nothing that you can bring to the table to say, Lord, look at and 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 then make your your advancements towards him. That being said, I, I think there is something that we could um, rightfully describe as a change in that type of bondage when the spirit works. So when we are when when the spirit works in our hearts, when faith is created, um, there's a new man, a new creation that now is there. Um, a, a something new is has the old is gone, the new has come, right? Couldn't we say, and I think this is where some confusion lies, especially when when Christians talk about these things, that as a Christian, even though our sinful nature is still there as that dead weight, as the one bound to to always make bad choices and rears its ugly head, there's the new creation that wants to do what is good and God-pleasing, the new creation that wants to engage in 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 what it is that our Lord has given to us and, and continues to richly pour out upon us. We want to to gather around and hear more of, of his glory. We want to read more of, of his words for us for life. Uh, we want to engage and gather around the sacraments more often because we receive from him his faithfulness and, and his forgiveness. Um, and so would you say that our will now is is... I wouldn't necessarily say unbound because the sinful nature is still there, but now is is has regained limited freedoms in the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I went to a, a continuing education course with the now sainted Professor Arnold Kelpine, and and it was on the bondage of the will, and and he talked about it as the the freed will. You know, the the one that had been bound by sin and, and still suffered because of that bondage in, in the way that, um, you know, somebody who had been enslaved still suffered because they had been enslaved, you know, and so there are still issues and, and still problems. Um, and this is something you see in in Romans 7, you know, the good I want to do, I, I don't do the evil I don't want to do this, I keep on doing. 
you know, but then you you also see what Paul says further on in Romans 7. Um, you know, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Right. Where God makes that that distinction between, you know, who you are by by faith and the sin that lives in you. And so we have that that struggle between our our sinful nature and the sin living in us and and our new our new man, our faith, our, our new person. And and there are a lot of blessings that God brings out of that. You know. Um could you imagine if if everybody became perfect as a Christian, you know, who would join the church then? You'd, yeah. They'd walk into the church and see a bunch of perfect people and think, oh, there's no place for me here. Right. You know, and, and they wouldn't want to come in. But isn't that, you know? I mean, there are churches out there that believe in a perfection, uh, almost a perfectionist theology where where one, once a person, and they also are those people that I believe in a decision theology that once you make that decision and you you rationalize coming to faith now you are on this course uh, to perfect yourself or be in a state of perfection yeah. um and and so um i think some of the wesleyan churches follow some of that idea of of a perfectionist theology where where if you prove not to be per, uh, perfect or if you prove yourself or show yourself to be a sinner, they, they'd now question your faith. They question, well, you might not have been a real Christian. What a devastating thing that, that it becomes that, that, you know, you might, must not have made the right decision or it must not have been an honest decision and you really must not have, have committed yourself and it becomes all about you once again, right? Where, because now you've fallen and and you were not like the rest of us in in this state of perfection whereas in lutheran theology which i think is so beautiful is is there is always this struggle between the the sin that or this the the sinful nature in us that is bound to always make bad choices and yet we are freed by christ as as christ says if the son has set you free you are free indeed um and you are because you are a new creation in him but you are not to its fullest extent that you would be on the other side of, of, of this world, right? Um, when he, when he will call an end to sin for you, when he calls you home and then you will truly be as, as God intended you to be. So, and, and I know that, and, and Calpine, I've, I've read uh, some of his things and he has mentioned that before. So it wasn't just in his, in his talks um, where he did mention that, you know, there is this, there's, you are bound, but now there's this sense of freedom that you have. I still, on this side of heaven, you know, I, I still on this side of heaven think there is there is there is never a reclaiming of the freedom. And it wasn't just a sense of freedom, but it was freedom. You know, you you progress in sanctification. You get better at making yeah. choices as a Christian. Sure. You know, you don't achieve perfection, but you do grow. Absolutely. You do mature. And you can have yeah. step backs. But but I'm what I was what I was thinking, and 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 maybe this is room for a discussion in here because I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent right. Um we never on this side of heaven will obtain the way that God had created it with Adam and Eve. Because I mean, they, that if you want to talk about free will, theologically, they had it before the fall. They, they had the choice to obey or not. Um, and we, we never have that back. I mean, that that's, that's, 
that's kind of one of those things, right? Where where the good that happens in me as a Christian, that is not to my credit, it's to God's credit. Um sure. and, and so so I, I and and like I said, I'm I'm I work through it my on on my own and I try to rationalize um and understand well, okay, where does God stand on this and the scriptures on it? And and I agree, you know, I, I bring nothing good to the table, so everything good in me is is credited to my Lord. But in the Garden of the Eden, with Adam and Eve, when they were first created, they were good. And and their will was good. And their they were free. And and the Lord said, Do this, and they had the freedom to do it. Um, and and could make the choice to do it. And now the Lord says, Do this, and I'm like, I can't. <laughs> And and even the new man inside of me says, but we can strive for it, but I still can't do it perfectly. And while what you're saying is true, you know, specifically a, a, according to the law, you know, there is also the gospel part of it that says the sinful parts have been removed and, and God is pleased with the rest. You know, God is pleased with the child that honors their father sure. and mother because God is pleased with that child because they're his dearly loved and forgiven child. But it was completed and, and in so, Christ on their behalf. Absolutely. But he is still pleased. Yes. And we want to keep that part in mind as well. Sure. You know, and, and so there is... There is value in pointing out both that, that sure. yes, we want to keep the law in mind, but we also want to preach the gospel in its fullness, you know. So I, I guess what I want to say is that we're willing to preach the law without qualification. You are a sinner. But it seems like we always have to add that qualification to the gospel. Okay, yes, yes, you're pleased with God, but only, you, you know what I'm saying? I do. And and that's that's the hard part when and that's what I'm saying why I'm saying that this discussion of free will becomes so hard especially as Christians. Because because yeah. as a Christian it seems as if we engage in or at least able to engage more into to making decisions that are theologically spiritually beneficial where we could not before. And and yeah. and so you know, it's a hard conversation for us to have because when we look back on it so easy, we can say, but those were my choices. But those were God-prompted, God-led choices as reactions to who God is on your behalf. And 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 so, I mean, it's just this, it's never as easy as we want it to be. <laughs> no, but, but this is what we should be clear about with people when we're talking about free will after they come to faith you know you still struggle absolutely yeah 100 percent. but your sins are forgiven 100 percent. god is pleased with you because you are his dear child god does not remember your sins he has removed them as far as the east is from the west and everything you do that is part of your life of sanctification, that it is guided by his word. You know, when you are faithful at work, when you're a faithful spouse, when you're a faithful child, these he rejoices in completely counting them as your work. That, that we qualify them saying, yes, but it's only because of Christ. And, and we should 
We should give right. God that credit and glory, but that's not how God sees it. Right. God sees it as a hundred percent you. And and that's the amazing thing that we look at it and we see the flawed will and, and we should, but that's not how God counts it to us. Right. And, and we rejoice in that. And, and we should let people know, yeah, you struggle with it, but God does not see the struggle. Right. God rejoices in that perfection you are covered in. And, and so and he gave it to rejoice you. Rejoice yourself. And he gave it to you when you didn't deserve it. And he provided it for you and worked it in your heart every step of the way when you tried to rebel from it and run away from it and throw it away. Um, I mean, so it's. You know, it comes back down to to where you had started. You know, our faith in all of its aspects is is from first to last our Lord, right? From from every aspect of it, um, yeah. and it is a beautiful. And what you're saying, and and I truly, it, that is the beauty of the gospel, that that God looks at us and and after giving us everything, and then giving us every opportunity to use it, and then giving us all the strength to actually go through and do it, and then uh, by making and setting up the situation for us to walk in, right? That's the beauty of of Ephesians. Um, uh, you have uh, that the beautiful. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Um, and you are you are God's workmanship, a new creation created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He has placed in advance for you to walk in. You know these are. And then He says, "Oh, by the way, well done, good and faithful servant. You walked in them." <laughs> Oh, but I put them there for you to walk in. And I created you to walk in them. And I gave you the faith to do it. And I gave you the grace to start it. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the beauty of, of our Lord's love for us. Um, And, and I think, you know, when this discussion of free will comes around, I, I kind of I, I step back and I, I look at it the way that that the the, um, the writers of the book of Concord looked at it and said that, you know, if you follow free will to its final conclusion, it is a damnable and dangerous doctrine that that destroys faith because you try to strip everything that we just talked about away from God and now make it. I did it. And, and this was me. And that, again, is the greatness of God, that, you know, he preserves people from even their false doctrine and, and false teaching, and, and that there's this happy inconsistency when you talk with people. And I know it's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to you, where you'll talk with people who believe in decision theology, who, who go to a different church that, that teaches this, and they'll say, well, you have to ask Christ into your heart. And you'll say, no, our salvation is entirely from God. And they'll say, yeah, our salvation is entirely from God. And and he does all of the work. It's all his credit. It's all Christ. But you have to ask Christ into your heart. Like, <laughs> yeah, they don't get what they're saying. <laughs> and and you're like, yeah. praise the Lord, you don't understand exactly what you meant. <laughs> yeah. It's like and God is like, so powerful, he can do absolutely everything except this one thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But then but then that same thing is applied even when they look at the sacraments because they're saying, well, you know, God is able and he's so powerful and he can do all things. In fact, in fact, as a Christian, I finally see how he how he moved heaven and earth to make my spouse be where she was or where he was that I would meet them and do all these things. Um but but he he can't be where he promises to be in bread and wine. And and well, his body's up in yeah, heaven. Yeah. He can't be here so he can't be there. 
And, and he can do anything else in the world. Nothing is impossible for God, but he can't be in water. And, and he can't be linking you to himself in water. Um, but he can do everything. I mean, nothing is impossible for God except those two things. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it kind of, it, 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 it's, it's, yeah, it's that logical fallacy that we bring up for ourselves where we, we, we say, you know, all these things are great and glorious and wonderful. And, and after we make that decision, then God works. And it's like, no, God works before we've ever even realized he was working and he does things before we ever realized he was doing them. And he claims his creation because he is faithful and good and just. And that's what he does. And and then we are brought to the recognition of all of it. And we respond in love because we can, because he has given it to us to respond. And and that's the thing, you know, if you're going to pray the sinner's prayer, you know, dear Jesus, come into my heart, you know, you already have to believe that God is a, a loving God who forgives yeah. your sins. And so you already have faith. And, and that means the Holy Spirit already lives in you and your sins right. are already forgiven. And so what need do you have to pray the sinner's prayer? Other than to say, I, a poor miserable sinner, confess unto you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. that I'm a poor miserable sinner and sinner. thank you for yeah. my forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's say thank you and, yeah. and go from there. Yeah. 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 And then help me to make better choices. And now that I'm in faith and, and guide me and, and releasing my will into the hands of our Lord, right. So that we may follow his will for our lives. Um, that is a wonderful, uh, you know, this, I don't know if this is exactly where we wanted to go with our conversation on free will, but we did keep it away from, um, you know, discussing on, you know, the topics of the colors that you wear and the outfits that you might pick and the cars that you might decide. Um, you know, when we talk about those things, those are the earthly things and you have an opportunity to, to show who you are and all of your, you know, wonderful style. And, you know, you like whatever you like, you can engage in that. Um, but when it comes to your relationship with your Lord, it starts with your Lord. Um, and he works in your heart and he frees you from the bondage of your sin um, uh, and frees you to live in him and to be free in him. And if he sets you free, you are free. Uh, and so never forget that. And he He sees the things that you do in that freedom and he accredits it to your account, uh, And even though he's helping you every step of the way and is with you every step of the way. And so... That is the the good and gracious Lord that we have. Any final words that you might have for them, Dave, before we, we want to maybe wrap up the show and then go to the, the post show where we can see what anybody else's comments are or, or wrap up our thoughts? Uh, just when it comes to, to what's the difference, you know, when you start to mix human works into it, you know, if it's a human work that, that comes into it, it's always going to come back to, did I do it enough? Am, am I? And so you're going to come down to either either despair or arrogance, and it, it's it's going to be a life then of, okay, now I've sinned. Does that lead me to despair, or do I deny the sin and I end up some kind of a delusional, arrogant jerk, and I deny God's God's law? You know, whereas if if our salvation is wholly in God's hand from first to last, you know, we we get to say with the Apostle Paul, 
you know, thanks be to God who gives me the victory in Christ Jesus. And and so the, you know, the question may seem like a small one, you know, free will, decision theology, the sinner's prayer is very short, but the difference is huge. Thanks be to Jesus who gives us the victory.